Hello, this is Mary. And this is Chandler. And you're listening to The Miss Fisher Files. Welcome back. Today we are talking season two, episode 12, Unnatural Habits. And this is Get the- it? Get it? <laughs> It's a nun pun. Nun pun. <laughs> this is the season finale. We do have oh, the Christmas it, I episode. Guess it was. But yeah, but this one really, for all I intents and purposes. I forget that British slash Australian shows do that. that mm-hmm. like, because when, by the time we American plebes get it, it's all wrapped up into one streaming thing. Right. And then I forget that it's like a separate deal yeah so this, this episode i have circled in my notes this is the the men are trash episode <laughs> the hashtag me too episode totally yep it's this actually was hard to rewatch. oh i know in light of everything that's been happening i i had trouble rewatching this and so i actually didn't write that much down but holy cow there's a lot there's swirling around so, in my head. so much this one i really was i've been excited for months to talk about this episode because i think it embodies the entire series in one show like in one 52 minute slot they managed to show you all the characters they flesh them out even more and this episode shows what this series does so well in highlighting these really difficult topics yeah I mean really bleak dark things but doing it in a palatable way and not glossing is, is over. kind of a feat, really. Yeah. It really is. I mean, that is a very difficult line to walk. And I don't know if you're like me, but I have episodes that I put on for certain moods. And <laughs> while I really love unnatural habits, a it's mood m- murder. Yeah, this is not this is not one of those like no. light and fluffy episodes. There's no ambiance. There's, that you really want from this. Yeah. I mean, there, there are some I mean, episodes Catholic like... Catholic workhouses for yeah. girls. But it's Human such... trafficking. Yep. I know. Sidney Fletcher in all his shark skin uh, glory. Oozing all over the place. Yeah. So gross. But this one is just, it's phenomenal as an episode. The mystery is really good. It comes full circle, almost in arrested development proportions. Like they planted the seeds for this so long ago. Yeah. Episode one only just season two. Yeah. Coming full circle on Mm -hmm. this. Yeah, and they kind of, I mean, they did this in season one too, where they left us hanging on the whole foil issue for... Mm a couple episodes and then they'd bring it up very minimally but this was yeah like we we really were trying to uncover the police corruption in the very first episode of season two yeah and then haven't really heard anything looking for it in this one right like yeah they she kind of stumbles upon it because she's looking to solve she's cracking something else and then oh look i've uncovered this whole seamy underbelly yeah yeah the uh the the box of trinkets stolen yeah the infamous box watching this episode reminded me of the actual book Mm. um by the same name the one by carrie greenwood and out of all of the books this was the hardest one for me to read. The books are definitely darker than the TV show, which, I mean, makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Um, and this one was, this was hard. This was like, there are some real trigger topics going yeah. on in this one. Yeah. Um, but I really appreciate how she wrote it. And I think that they did a really good job of melding it onto the screen. Like totally. making it work. Yeah. And there's there's so much going on. I mean, there's these different plot points. There's different social issues. There's old plot points that are coming up. So they really, they did a great job of melding everything mm-hmm. and juggling, doing that juggling act. And it doesn't feel too heavily weighted. Right. I mean, obviously the, the murder in the nunnery is the main plot, but then all of these other, these other things dovetail into that. They did such a great job of, of I think that's... I think that's mysteries at their best because there's always more. Mm-hmm. There's al- there's always more that's beyond the surface of the murder, um, just solving the murder. And I think the best mysteries spin that yarn that mm-hmm. way, whether it's lighthearted or it's dark. This one's dark, but I think I think this is really like the mystery genre at its best. Yeah, here I agree. We've got this really difficult theme of um, unwed mothers and what society does. Mm-hmm. to them, which is, I mean, that's a huge, difficult topic. 
but they do such a good job of showing you. So there's that one line um, when Franny is in that terrible room, the penitence room yeah. with Mary slash Ada. Um, and Mary is telling her how she got her saint name. And it's mm. like she was a perpetual virgin or something, the saint was. And Franny said, oh, that's a tough act to follow and points to <laughs> Mary's very pregnant belly. And Mary, in one line, does such a good job. She said, this was the factory foreman's idea, not mine. Oh, so good. It's one line and it's delivered perfectly. And it really summarizes the whole other side to this issue. Right. Hello, factory foreman. That means she was raped, yeah, basically. statutory rape. Statutory I mean, rape it, is rape, people. By this adult man who will face no consequences for it. And then here's this girl in solitary freaking confinement. Mm-hmm. Then they condense that to basically one line. <laughs> You know, that Mary says, yeah. and, and yeah, she kind of calls Franny out, like, this wasn't me. Don't put this on me. Um, and, and then alludes to how many of those women probably face the same situation. Did you ever see the, the Irish film, The Magdalene Sisters? I did. Yeah. No, I think I saw it when it came out, and yeah. then that's it. But. And it's, I mean, in there, and that was based on the real one that was in this town in Ireland and I mean these things were all over they were mm-hmm. they were all over the English speaking world they um starting in the 1750s the last one did not close until 1996 what yeah what yeah oh yeah oh my goodness People, oh that's terrifying my friends wonder why I have issues with the Catholic Church sometimes. But I this it was so systematic. So I mean, yeah, absolutely. And they so they were they were all over the place in England, Ireland, Canada, Australia, um, and they. The thing about this Irish film is, not all of the girls that were in this asylum were pregnant. There was one girl who was put in there because she was. Um, mentally disabled in some way hmm. and had been taken advantage of for that, which is such a friggin' like, I just am like speechless with horror yeah. at that. Um, one girl was put in because she was too pretty and she was seen <laughs> as a temptation for the boys in town. So they threw her in there, Jeez. even though she wasn't pregnant. Oh my goodness. Uh, there was, um, some of the girls were in there simply for acting up. One girl was in there because, um, she was raped by her cousin at a party and she reported it and they didn't punish him and they threw her in there. Right. Um, like you do. Yeah. So, Ugh. and the thing that is really heinous about these places, and I don't know if this was the practice at all of them or if this was always the practice or like if this ended, but at many of them, at least for a certain period of time, those girls were not in the Magdalene house simply during their period of pregnancy. They served a life sentence. Oh. They were put in there and they lived there until they were old and they died. Wow. Yeah. So was the only way out to be like basically job placement as we see at the beginning of the episode that one young woman is going to a milliner's? Yes, but not all of them had job placement programs. Yeah. For, for many of them, there was no way out. Once oh, you were geez. in there, that was it. And they, the Magdalene Sisters film showed elderly women who were now, you know, they, were, they weren't just working in the laundry. They might have been working like in the cook house. Mm-hmm. Of, like They might have been feeding the sisters or whatever, but they started out as young girls being thrown in here. And no, they had no way out. So basically, a man can do whatever he wants to you. He does not get punished. With impunity. And you get a life sentence. Yeah. I mean... Of hard labor. Of Yeah, hard labor. And you probably don't get your child. And, yeah. I mean, yeah. Deprivation, I, no human contact, no meaningful human uh, contact, nothing. I mean, That uh, is mind-blowing. Yeah. And so wrong and such an outrage and... And we still have never addressed this. There have been no reparations that I know of. This practice of the Magdalene asylums has not been in the news. The whole system is reprehensible. And the fact, I, I think the the systematic nature of this is yeah. also so terrifying. And that's that's the thing. They had a whole structure in place yeah, for this. They really did. They had nuns whose entire order was built around these places and governing these places and putting girls to work and running these laundries and I just the compartmentalization that these nuns must have done oh, I to, know. to inflict this sort of torture on these girls and then 
see themselves as virtuous people mm-hmm. at the same time. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, I admit so, this. Men are not trash. People are trash. People are People are, are trash. just trash. People with power are trash. <sighs> <sighs> so this Sorry, one, I'm the Debbie Downer today. I'm no, I mean, this, a, is, this is like a downer episode, yeah. but it's so good that you can't just be like, eh, that's a bummer. I'm not going to watch that one. No, but they, like, it's I'm so really glad they, good. I'm glad that they went there mm-hmm. because, you know, sometimes you need the unflinching look at this, even yeah. if it's through the veil of fiction. Sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need that. That's the only way to get through it. Yeah. That's but this was so, but like, I, it doesn't even matter that it's fiction because so much of this was based in things that really happened that it's, yeah. you know, oh. to me, it, it almost was uh, like, I just forgot that it was fiction. Right. No, I mean, things like this are still happening. Yeah. Just a different yeah. system. Right. And yeah. I'm getting all riled up in my chair. This one too, um, is a really interesting contrast because you have Franny coming into this this workhouse that's mm. so dingy and dirty and you can hear people coughing. I thought the, the fully artist on this one or whoever, <laughs> yeah. whoever put those sounds in perfect. Yeah. Such a good way to call attention to what the actual climate, conditions yeah, the conditions like, would yeah. have been like in a place like this. And it's so interesting to watch Franny come through it with her shiny white coat and I thought that was such an interesting choice to I make really for noted that. her costume. Like, it could not have been whiter or cleaner. It was like like chrome. As they and, say. you know, the thing, I, I wrote down stuff about that. First of all, it reminded me of, like, Madonna, like, flouting the Catholic Church mm-hmm. the way she did mm-hmm. with her costumes and her lyrics, like like a virgin and all that. And her name, Madonna, for right. God's sake. <laughs> um, well, I think that was her given name. It is her, that was, Madonna Ciccione yeah. uh, was her was her given name, but, um, but like she played that up to the sure. hilt yeah, and rightfully so. But then I, I found what was really interesting was Franny in that all white outfit. She had that little touch of gray in that silk scarf she was wearing. Mm-hmm. So it was like, all is not as it seems, or hmm. I also viewed that as, you know, she's wearing all white to flout how the church would see her right. as this liberated woman walking in there all on her own. Right. Um, and then at the, at the end, you contrast that. She's all in black. And then she's wearing this thing where the only white on her is the embroidered collar yeah. of her outfit. Huh. And so I felt like that was this amazing contrast. Oh, and wow. she's wearing the exact same color scheme as the nun sitting next to her, black and white, but they could not have been <laughs> more different. Right. And yet people. they were on the same side. In the end. In the end. But yeah. I have well, major side eye for that nun. I am like, no, there's no way this happened under your nose. And, yeah. you, and can we just talk about how if you're the good guy here and you're you're not okay with the human trafficking element of this, but you're okay with girls being sentenced to life sentences of hard labor, you're okay with that? Right. As long as they're under your eye. So, yeah, major side eye for that nun. <laughs> that, yeah. And the fact that they were called gratitude girls Ugh, is so awful. It really is. It's like, let's pity them or not even pity. And then like, take let's what make I them give work. you and you'll yeah. like it. Yeah. Have Which gratitude. just seems like a huge it's double so entendre to me. Yeah. Doc called them the fallen and friendless girls. Yeah. Which, I don't know, kind of makes me want to start a band or something. And it's like, <laughs> and, and it's so, and that riles me up too, because it's like, well, they're not so much fallen as pushed over yeah. by some effing man. Uh-huh. Fallen, like, oops. Oops, I fell over. Yep. I should have I looked fell where I was going. Sin. Not, you know, Mr. Shop Foreman. Yeah. It's like victim blaming in one word. <sighs> and then the friendless girls. I mean, friendless. Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just all gut-wrenching. Mm. Uh, the hat. Want to go back to the costume? Sorry. Real, real, real quick. Franny's outfit with that super white coat, which has... With the amazing, like, quilting. Yes. It was like... Like Art Deco um, But there's a fans. term for that. There's like I think it's a Japanese technique of quilt... Of, like, blind oh, yes. quilting. Oh, what is that? But in that harsh lighting of that hallway... It just, it almost looks like scar tissue. Like it's lit up in such relief that you can see every line, every stitch. I don't know. I think I was just in a morbid mood when I was watching (laughs) it. I think with the exception of the scene where Franny is in her parlor and there's this great 
shot where she's framed with this like peacock blue pillow behind her and then she's wearing this the embroidered floral dressing gown mm-hmm. um with the exception of that scene Franny and I guess one other where she's wearing like a chartreuse feather boa with the exception of those two brief moments she is not wearing any color at all in this entire episode that's she's really true all in white and gray and black huh. and that like that linen outfit that she wears, mm-hmm. which is basically gray. Right. Um, kind of like I thought that was beige. really interesting. That is interesting. I mean, she's almost on Jack's level on this. Uh-huh. She is dressed to fit the bleakness of the scene here. And also this, I think, moral moral ambiguity of black, white, and gray. Right. Um, At the very end, so I'm going to fast forward. Mm-hmm. At the bottom of the gangplank, when they all assemble after the climactic final scene, the yeah. showdown on the boat, um, and they they pair everybody off. Like, I could draw a picture, like a football play or something. Yeah, like, yeah. good guys stand in a little half circle here. Bad guys stand in a little half circle over here. Yeah. Franny's going to stand in the center and address the good guys and tell them what a good job they did. Like, yeah. it's very prescribed and funny. Totally. Um, but it's the like colors. the assembly station of the damned. Or like. <laughs> <laughs> but the colors, like the costumes are so obviously different. You yeah. have all the good guys in like light brown, basically, mm. or shades of brown. And then the bad guys are all in black. Yeah, it's very much like the rugby team. You know, like you can tell your team members because they're all in beige. <laughs> and the op- opposing team's all in black. <laughs> beige and black. But you're beige right. There really is very, very little, little color. color. The um, the cloche that she wears with that white coat at the very start. The white oh, cloche beautiful. with the purple... Okay, so I've been calling it the alien cloche. I cannot Yeah, it's kind see. of a weird... Like, it's like, a, and, like tentacles are coming around her head. Yeah. I, it kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies a little bit. And it almost looks like it's made out of some weird synthetic material. Mm. I mean, I know it's not, but right. it's so perfect. There's no... There's no seams that you can see. There's nothing. Right. So it almost, I don't know. Huh. It's like it's made out of some exotic alien life form. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that she brought back from the upside down. Right. <laughs> that's kind of, uh, in terms of costuming for this one, that's kind of all I have. Yeah, I have very little. Um, oh, Aunt P. Yes, I was just, just going to segue to that. Let's talk about it. Aunt P. She, first of all, I was so sad. She's wearing that outfit with the nipple buttons. <laughs> it just makes me sad. Because it's this like massive like white bib. And then there's these two little black buttons that are in the worst spot imaginable. And of course, she has an ample bosom. Right. So, oh, man, poor Aunt P. But Aunt P really kind of steals the show in this. Yeah. I mean, like she does. I mean, anyway, anytime she's on screen, she but really she shines in this one. Quite she a does. Bit. Like, and she she goes through her little character arc all in one go yeah. because she's very judgy wudgy at the right. beginning, and then Franny sits her down with the passion fruit flummery, flummery, which I think is Australian for trifle or something. Is it like flan? That's what and I. It looks like trifle okay. to me. Like those little layered custard desserts. Yeah. In, okay. You know, in little glasses, um, and. The the face that she makes when the this pregnant belly is like yep. right next to her head and she has this absolute duck face when <laughs> <laughs> you know and then at the you know when the girl goes into labor and she's like you've got work to do my girl they don't call it labor for nothing and she I think she's such a good example of like the the importance of person to person contact because. Yeah. Aunt P, we have seen, really subscribes to what society... She's a total Republican. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And for the sake of, like, propriety Propriety and tradition and her wealth and her social standing. Mm -hmm. She finds it distasteful that this young woman is pregnant in her face. But by the end of the episode, she has seen what this young woman has had to go through. Right. And And what 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 she's she's capable of. Oh, yeah, and what she's capable of. Yeah. And she can't let it rest. Like, she can't just leave and say, well... Have a great life, Ada slash Mary. Can you imagine that brief time when I had to have this dirty girl living in my... Yeah. Right, or like when I was served by this eight months, well, no, probably almost nine months yeah, pregnant yeah. woman. Yeah, but she she's such a perfect example of like getting past that sense of propriety when that you I think the stops real people from doing what they really know they should do. Yeah. It's so perfectly <laughs> captured by Aunt P. Go Aunt P. 
yeah, I, I love Aunt P and I love how there's so many ways that Franny kind of brings her around mm-hmm. and how strong she can be and how, like, she's just such a great, I don't I, I don't know. I know people like that who would rather, at the beginning, they'd rather bury their head in the sand yeah. and keep things the way they are. But then they finally figure out that that's not going to happen and they rise to the occasion beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's hilarious as she does it. So Yeah, she is. It almost lets her off the hook from the total cock block at the end of the episode. <laughs> almost lets her off. But I, I cannot... When I was re-watching that, I was like, oh, if only, if only Mary were here. Oh, my goodness. I saved I wanted such to see, bad like, words. what your faces would be. Like, <laughs> uh, I would be saying very bad words, very loudly at the screen, and possibly doing a gesture or two. Every, I do this every single time. Every single time. Aunt P, why? Why did you have to come in? The baby obviously did not cry at that moment. There was no reason to come into the front hallway. Was that the baby I heard with the deep voice? Yeah, no. (laughs) No, it wasn't. It was something about to happen. If if Aunt P had not interrupted them, the baby would have 30 seconds later. So So apparently... But he still could have gotten a good necking in before that happened. I don't care. Whatever. Whatever. Apparently, there is actual footage... So they did, yes, they did several takes of that. And in some of them actually kissed. Where is this? No one can find, like, it's not out there. Get it to me. On the internet, people know of of the Internet ninjas, get it to us. There is the existence of this footage, but I don't think it's in any form that is able to be, you know, downloaded and rewatched a billion times. So, I'm sorry, you sad. can't, you cannot cock block somebody in their own house. I know. Like, she's not even it's her like house. Very poor form, Ugh. Aunt P. Well, Franny is unmarried. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well. And Jack's <gasps> a divorcee. And it's very late. <sighs> um, I love the way he knocks with his little his oh, hand, yeah. like in that little circle of I sting glass. I love that. That was such a good shot. And yeah. then one of the Tumblr folk, I think it's Sarah too, uses it as her little avatar thing. Oh. It's just that circle with, with Jack's knuckle. Hand. Yeah. yeah, which is so perfect. Um, let's talk Dot, because I think yeah. she's really interested in, interesting in this episode, too. Dot found her first body. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Hugh tries so hard to protect her. and But I think that's part of the point of this, is that you can't. Yeah. So at the beginning of the entire series, we meet Dot and she's very timid. She's afraid of answering the phone. And, you know, they really play that up. But by the end of the episode, she's willing to put herself in harm's way by volunteering to be the... the Bait. The bait, yeah, yeah, for the abortionist. And her justification is, that could have been me. Right. Like, she's right there with those girls, knowing in a, you know, slightly alternate universe that would have been her. Or having been given just a little bit more time. Yeah, exactly. If she hadn't met Could have been the next week. Could have been the, you know. And she does that same thing in this episode where, again, and she tells that to Hugh at the end, like that could, actually, no, he says it to her. That That could could have been been you, Dottie. And so she's willing to come into the morgue and try to identify the yep. pieces of like the because she knows all the scapulars. Yes, in she town. really does. <laughs> um, and and Hugh is really uncomfortable with this. He's really trying to shield her from it, and she won't go. She wants to stick around and help. And I think yeah. Jack is kind of uncomfortable by it too. Like there's this. Very nuanced performance in the morgue where he, I think, appreciates her help, but is also really nervous about having her there. And I'm sure partly because he knows that Hugh is not a fan of this. But um, but yeah, I thought that was such a great role for Dot. I think think what's so poignant about this too, and also what what makes Dot such a strong character, because she has this figured out already, is that, and why she wants to, be part of the fight here is that one of the I think one of the hardest lessons to learn in this life is that you can't protect the people you love from getting hurt you know you might be able to protect them from certain things but you can't protect them from everything Mm -hmm. and and I think Dot knows that better than anybody and so she's learned to be an advocate for others and protect herself and I think she's helping Hugh learn this lesson Mm -hmm. 
a little bit at a time, right? You know, like he doesn't like, and even in small ways, like maybe I can help provide for us as a family too. And you don't have to do everything. And I, I think that is so, such a great part of her character. They have a fantastic conversation at the end. So flashing forward to the the end of this episode, Mm. when um, we see Aunt P and Dot staring at the baby and the baby, oh my goodness, that is like the most adorable newborn. I am immune to babies. Oh, immune to babies. Yeah, sounds, I mean, babies are usually weird looking. And I am like, mine, f- mine I am included. Fr- I am the friny in this. Be like, <laughs> is it? It's so red. It's, it's just beautiful. It's not red at all. That is some BS right there. Well, I, but I would be like her. I'd be like, mm. there. So yeah, I love that they're all looking at the How about let's put it over there. <laughs> and when Dot says, I can take it from here. Friny, it's like you can see the cartoon lines I know, behind like, her as she's like, <laughs> she is, that, she is that out would of be there. Me. Yeah. That would be me. I, in fact, when my friends have babies, I probably have even done this to you. And you have great, cute, awesome kids <laughs> who I love. But when my friends have babies, I do the whole like, have I spent enough time saying nice things about this Aww. baby and holding it? I will hunt it back now and I will magically disappear <laughs> like Batman. <laughs> You're putting in your time. Basically, oh, you don't have to do that. I you have, certainly don't I have to do that with my a, kids. A baby adorer. No, I'm just I, outing myself right here. I didn't. I really was never until I had my own, and now now you it's hit the jackpot of cute kids though. Like <laughs> you're you're and, and even cute. when they were babies, that was true. They didn't go through the they didn't go through a Winston Churchill phase. They went. Ooh, yeah, you know, they did. You just you know we didn't Instagram those photos. <laughs> But I guess when they're like brand new, babies look really weird when they first are yeah. born, and this one is beautiful. And I'm, it probably is a little older than you know. I mean, you can't really tell exactly how old, but anyway, beautiful child that they yeah. found to play the baby. Yeah, well done, yeah. casting agent. It is sure. just the cutest baby. Sure. And that that whole scene where <laughs> you know, uh, Friday gets the hell out of there as fast as she can. But okay, it's what happens after that. The first time I saw this episode, I was crying so hard I had to pause. So when Hugh comes in and he's standing over the baby, and I'm gonna, I'm like getting choked up thinking Aww. about it right now. And his line is, how am I going to be able to come home to you and our own kids when my head is so full of all these terrible things people do? Yeah. And the fact, like he said that line and I just lost it. And I was like, <laughs> I've got to pause. I can't handle it. I don't, I want to see what happens next. But like I had to work through the fact that he had just said that line because this is something I think about a lot. Yeah. I'm not married to a first responder, yeah. but I think about their lives so much. Like, what is that like? Yeah. Day in and day out. Yeah. That is your job, to be there on the front lines and see yeah. horrible shit. Like like, like, e, like triage nurses or ER yeah. doctors. Any and, first responder has, yeah. has to deal with this. And I really believe that as humans we are good like and you can I don't know what this comes from if it's like my upbringing whatever but, but I just feel like you have to or we'll go mad right like you, but I, you have to believe that I feel like our, I have our to believe default that. setting is like we we are good and it pains us yeah. to see terrible things and for for as much as I'm ranting and railing on Twitter about men are trash or people are, you know but no like I I, I agree I, I believe we are inherently good at, at least we try yeah and I, All I can so think I of think, is the, the Mr. Rogers quote. When look, bad things happen, look for the helpers. Look for the helpers. And that makes me, that sets me off. Like, oh uh, my God. I took a picture. I cried over that one. Yeah. Uh, somebody had, what would Mr. Rogers do as their bumper sticker the other day? And I totally took a picture of it. Probably creeped them out. But I, and I started tearing up because... Yes, we should all live our lives thinking about what would Mr. Rogers do. Yeah. This world would be and a fantastic it, and place. And it's so true. Like, I mean, I've never been in a, a horrible tragedy like that. I've never, you know, knock on plastic, <laughs> you know, I've never been in an earthquake or, a, you know, the World Trade Center or whatever. But I have been in small disasters. And even even there, people, total strangers ran to help me. Yeah. You know, and... And I have been one of the people helping, like, mm-hmm. you know, some, I witnessed somebody get hit by a car and I was one of, you know, one of the people helping and I got hit by a car and there were people helping me who didn't yeah. know me. And, you know, like, I think people's humanity really comes out in those times and it's important yeah. to focus on that 
And that's what Dot, Dot is trying to do here. But what I so appreciate about the show is that they let the man deliver that line. Yeah. How am I going to do this when my head is so full? Because I think they let him men, show vulnerability. Yes, men are taught to compartmentalize. And I mean, and that's never the same, show weakness, right. never show emotion, like, never be afraid, never turn it off as soon as you leave the office and go home and be a normal, you know, family person. Like, how can you do that when you did just see all this crap today? You know, like, and for him to say that out loud killed me just yeah. killed me and kudos to the writer i mean yeah. that no that, toxic masculinity truly, on her watch i truly have never heard something like that delivered by any character ever like it was yeah. a whole new ground um but it's been in my head you know all yeah. these years like how do you deal with that so yeah i'm just and still i think blown that's part they and parcel with it. what i was saying about the whole like you can't you can't protect everybody all the time you can't and and I think I think that that's a piece of this whole toxic masculinity thing is that Hugh should not have the burden of feeling like he has to protect the people in his life at all times. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he's the one who needs protecting. Right. You know? Or sometimes it's just a matter of this bad thing happened to someone I love. How can I help them get through it rather than protecting them from it happening in the first place? Right. Sometimes that's all you can do. And I think I think that's a big piece of Hugh's character is that he really struggles with that. He feels like he has to always protect. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a cop, for God's sake. Yeah. And and even this whole thing with him marrying Dot, he's he's a Protestant marrying a Catholic, and he's <laughs> he's trying to figure out how the heck he can protect his mother from this awful story. Mm-hmm. And protect his soon-to-be wife from his mother. From his mother's wrath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, sometimes it's like, what if, what if you didn't have to? What if you mm-hmm. could trust that Dot can protect herself? Yeah. And just be with her. So let's talk about Jack a little bit. Because okay. this episode fleshes his character out, Oh, there's out some too. hot brooding in this episode. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. There are some very, in very... In the car, the lean. Oh, my God. There's some... <laughs> yeah. There is some serious delicious in this, in this episode. <laughs> but he is facing a dilemma that he hasn't faced really in the past, except, I guess, season... Uh, the first episode of this season. Um, he is being forced to choose between being a police officer mm. and being essentially a good human. Yeah. Like he's really put in this difficult place where right. his direct superior who has, you know, could totally end his career. And former father-in-law. And former, so yeah, he's like, got let's family just add ties. that to it too. Yeah. Um, is saying, no, you don't get to touch this anymore. And he tries really hard. Franny doesn't, of course. To do due process and be yeah, the... Yeah, and like, yeah. okay, I'll sure. back off. And he tries. But then at the end, like he cannot live with himself. Right. He's just pacing in his office knowing that Sanderson is really not taking care of the situation on that boat before it leaves and the murderer is going to get away with all the girls who are stuck with on the boat. With all the girls. Like how... Oh, that whole thing, white gold. Ugh. Oh my God. Yeah. That term. Yep. Gave, gave it's me a, chills. I wonder when that term started because I don't I, I don't know that felt very much like trying to apply it to right now when Franny used that phrase so I have no idea oh, who knows yeah like true. the etymology or whatever of that yeah. that phrase but that felt too contemporary I think well it's very much like as if as if you didn't know already right that's bad yeah, if you hadn't figured it out already <laughs> this is the club over the head upon this quite strongly <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But I, so, I really, so Jack fighting, fighting with himself over mm-hmm. this, and being forced to disobey rules, mm-hmm. and that makes him so much more interesting as a character. And also, like the partnership between he and Franny is really interesting in this one too. They are very much helping each other. Yeah, although she's sort of hindering his career, but 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 on the other, you know, the human front is helping things along yeah. and doing it her way. Like the only way that it's going to work is if they disobey their direct rules. And so she's just doing what she does and, you know, doing the Trojan laundry basket routine to get inside. Well, I love the, I love the whole bit where she's like, well, but you could interview them in my parlor. <laughs> I mean, and it's so much nicer. <laughs> That scene where he, where Jack is stuck between Rosie and Franny on either side of him. Oh, oh man. Yeah. I feel for him there. Rosie is not terribly kind to Franny in this one. I mean, I think she comes around, but in the end, but this is, this is definitely a, a catty Rosie yeah. in this episode. 
Apparently, the term white gold dates back to the 1600s. Oh, holy cow. Yeah. Okay. It it dates back to um, white slaves who were, they were captured British and European people, captured by um, North African powers, and then sold as slaves. And apparently, they went they were a hot commodity. They went to they went to the highest bidder, and especially women and children. They were called white gold. <sighs> yep. Not so fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> right. We could start a whole sidebar of those. Uh, Here's a not so fun yeah, fact. Not so fun fact. TM. Yeah. <laughs> we have so many TMs. Yeah. Where's maybe. my royalty checks? I know. Um. So Rosie. I'm going to touch on her for a second more. Rosie. So Rosie... Rosie went from having great taste in men to really lousy taste in men. What's up? Yeah. Well, Maybe she was tired of, like, living on the, like... I don't know. This sounds so anti-feminist. But, like, she went from, like, the middle class existence to, like, high on the hog with ill-gotten gains. <laughs> yes. That she could conveniently not know about. Yeah. Yeah. No, it sounds... I mean... According to Jack, she always wanted him to be more ambitious in his career. And so I think she had designs on living living large and found a guy. Which is just makes her hate Franny all the more. Yeah. Because Franny has her own wealth and can do whatever the hell she wants. Right. But I think, too, like, Rosie is seeing that Franny has made things more difficult for Jack. And, and theoretically, I mean, as far as we can tell, Jack and Rosie still have a pretty decent relationship friendship yeah sure yeah um so ostensibly she's upset for jack that his life is being made more more complicated by franny i don't know i'm gonna give her the benefit of the doubt that's what's going on well i think there's some some sympathetic stuff with rosie too because i mean think about it women didn't have a lot didn't have power didn't have a lot of options that Mm -hmm. unless they were unless they inherited wealth the way the way franny did um and so Let's see. Rosie does not have children. She does not. She is at this point still unmarried, remarried. You know, she's not remarried. Um, And she hitched her wagon to this guy who seemed like a good bet. He's wealthy. He was nice to her, at least, and had good connections. And her father obviously approved of him and blah, 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 blah. And now it turns out that he's trash. And... And her father, too. And her father, too. What is she left with? Right. Nothing. And she's of an she's older than the average marriageable age at that time, mm-hmm. and she has no kids. She has no heirs. Right. She's left with nothing. She's in a precarious spot there. She really is. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And I do yet, have sympathy for her. And yet, she chastises her father. She is so angry. Like, she could, at this moment, when they're all in the station, and he's been interviewed in you know, they're all in the station. She's mm-hmm. like kind of crying out front. Um, I'm sure she's quite aware of her precarious situation right. at that point. And she could be sort of clinging to that and like, oh, father, I'm sure we'll find you not guilty. You know, well, like. And, and had she actually married Sidney Fletcher, she might have done. Maybe. I mean, think, think about Roy Moore's wife is standing, standing by her man. Oy. You know, that is. That's a whole... She And she may well be a horrible, horrible person. I mean, I'm not ruling that out. But but also, look at the power structure in which that woman lives. Mm -hmm. What else is she going to do? Right. You've got to stand by your man because he's all you've got. And yet, she says, how could you? Yeah. Those poor girls, how could you? And that is... I thought that was so fantastic. Like, she's still sticking up for... She's still a woman. And she's still seeing what is happening to these other women. Yeah. And even though she is faced with, like a life of total uncertainty at this point. She's mm-hmm. still calling her father out. So go Rosie. Go Rosie. Um, Mr. Butler. Mr. Oh, Mr. Yes. Butler has a great comic relief moment when, you know, the poor girl's going into labor and he's like, I'm going to get this. I'm going to fetch the scissors and blah, blah, blah. And oh, I thought you meant the arsenal that he presents to Burton. Oh, well there's a, he's can always be counted on for a, you know, semi-automatic weapon or two. <laughs> oh. But <laughs> what else does he have back there in his quarters? He's got implements for girls going into labor, and mm. he's got heavy weaponry for the big stakeout. <laughs> he's and he's got Turkish delight when you need it, right? And oh, medicinal yeah. and he's liquor, got, like karate skills or judo skills. But he sleeps through every burglary. Yeah, 
<laughs> one, one flaw, <laughs> which unfortunately really uh, shows itself. Maybe a he's actually of times. a superhero. You know how like Clark Kent always like shows up too late for the action. Yeah, but like he shows up in a robe. Is that his? Is that his superhero <laughs> costume? <laughs> Did he have to change out of like his actual? Well, well, you know. Bruce Wayne is like the, his alter ego is like the foppish playboy. So he's frequently in like a Hugh Hefner robe. Mm-hmm. So That's true. Maybe, maybe that's jacket. it. Maybe he's off fighting crime in a rubber suit somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea. I get a very fun mental image with that. Oh, Mr. Butler, we love you. Um, can we talk about the tie scene? The tie scene? Yeah. The one, it's Okay. So, uh, after they go to the convent and find out how the woman supposedly climbed out of the window yeah. using these ta- uh, knotted together sheets, oh, yeah, the bed yeah. sheets, yeah, yeah. they bring the sheets to Jack's office and they're looking at them to see if that actually could have worked. And Franny says, no way, these knots wouldn't have held. And Jack <laughs> asks, uh, how do you know about your knots? And she's like... Oh, yes. Well, there was this Portuguese sailor. And then he's like, no, no, I'm good. Never mind. And it's really, (laughs) really funny. I forgot about that bit. Yeah. And then when she hands the tie back to him, because she was showing him an example on his necktie. Sure. He's like, oh, you've creased it now, which is kind of a hilarious line and delivery. If Very it were fastidious. not, if it were not set up, a setup, it would be like, what? But yes, the delicious tie scene. Yeah. Ooh, I forgot. What, how, why did I forget about that? How could you forget about did that? I, like, turn off the key, tea kettle at that point or something? Like, oh I just goodness. don't know how I missed. I've yeah. like, forgotten all about that. That is, uh, yeah. Had to get the fan out after that one. <laughs> and stupid Sanderson. Stupid Sanderson walking in. And what's interesting to me. Thank is God there's fan fiction. I, oh, <laughs> yeah. And trust me. There is a lot of fan fiction for this particular <laughs> scene. Um, so, Franny is actually looking kind of ruffled when Sanderson comes in, which is atypical for her. She's usually, like, doesn't feel like she was doing anything I feel naughty like that or, she, you know. I feel like her wiles don't work on him, though. And she, because she she exists outside of his system, she doesn't, her, what power she has goes away yeah. when Sanderson's around. And she knows that, and it's really frustrating. Yes, it would be. But yeah, she looks unusually flustered when he walks in. And then she's like, oh, I was just leaving. Which is, it's just so unfriny, the way that she True. like just removes herself. Although well, she only goes when, around the corner, and if he had walked pee. out of the door any other way, he would have seen her. So, That's true. pet peeve right there. Okay, sorry. But even when Aunt P interrupts them, like, Phryne seems a little subdued after that, like... Yeah. I mean, she could have grabbed him anyway. It's her house. I know. And so, instead, she's like, well, until our next murder investigation. And then, then. it gets, and then he like gets all tongue tied. And, and like, why does it have to, why do we have to wait? I'm sorry, you're why? You're in your robe already. You guys are grownups. You can do this any damn go time you want. Go the F upstairs. I know. You don't have to wait for a murder. Come yeah, on. Let's go. Come on. Yeah. That is very irritating to and me. besides him showing up at your door at that that's a booty call right yeah. there that was a booty call I know so what it, he even so what sat there in his there. car debating should I booty call her or not <laughs> it was a booty knock it was a booty knock <laughs> <laughs> yeah yep um just saying so yeah that that final almost kiss scene is uh yeah it's pretty pretty steamy stupid MP oh and sanderson let's talk about him the man drives me crazy i have never liked him obviously i'm not supposed to but like just as a character he's like a limp dish rag of a human like (laughs) when he is being at the very beginning of the season when we meet him and he's being accused of having murdered this poor woman yeah he's just like no i definitely didn't do it you know, I mean, that's like his entire defense, even though he's got scratches on his and then, arm. And then he's, yeah. And then in this episode, he's like, well, you'll have to prove it. Yeah. That's, I mean, they're laying it's out oily all of these and- ways that he is going to get totally, I mean, he's getting his comeuppance. They have yeah. people, they have eyewitnesses, they have Aunt Pete, you know. And he's like, well, you have to prove it. But even before that, he like blandly lets Jack walk onto the ship. 
he should have been f- keeping Jack physically off of the ship. Like, right. Even though he has threatened to take Jack's job, he just I, lets him walk I on. I feared that as him making the decision of like, okay, it's time to get rid of Jack. Mm, interesting. By letting him walk into that. I think you're He's right. He's going to uncover me, so it's time for him to go. He's becoming yeah. convenient. But then Jack, he lets Jack uh, chain him up to the post on the ship. I mean, he just submits to it. Well, what's he going to do? He can't take him. He could He's try. He's a dish rag. I mean, Sanderson's got his That's goons on the, There's on the goons. boat. Like, there are goons involved. He's got backup with him. So yeah. I don't understand. Like, I, I wanted him to fight harder. He just, he just, he's so gross. He, he just, is. He just screams Republican senator to me. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, here we go. Look, it's Mitch McConnell. Like, I just, <laughs> there. like, he's got that oily... But but also intractable. Yeah, there's an arrogance about him. Yes, like abs- I am that's the way word. above you, and I don't even have you to break a sweat. You can't touch me, yeah. and I'm not even going to try because you can't touch me. I know. Makes me want to punch that yeah. stupid face. Yep. <laughs> yep. Sorry, actor who plays Sanderson. Nothing about you. Yep. Just your that's, character. I think that's what. Yeah, Mitch McConnell. <laughs> <sighs> he has resting Mitch face. <laughs> <laughs> the quotes from that office scene. Oh. My father used to lock me in a cupboard to try and break my spirit. Clearly, he didn't leave you there long enough. Oh, yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah, Such the a good other exchange. great one is um, when Sanderson says, I want this woman brought to heal and Franny retorts, would you like me to roll over and fetch too? <laughs> <laughs> Bad girls, good sheets, and not a penny in wages. That was a fun one too. I love she I love the bit where she's off. like, Well, you're not doing my laundry anymore. Yeah. She must have spent a fortune on laundry because she has endless clothing and it's all no like kidding. It's Sister Dominica who won't shake her hand at the beginning when they're introducing themselves in that hallway. Who looks exactly like um or actually I think it's the mother's yeah, the mother superior looks exactly like Mary Wicks in Sister Act. Oh. She's the old <laughs> nun who's like stone deaf. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Franny's kind of um, being, well, definitely being punished for her lifestyle yeah, in this one. Yeah, but they'll still take her money. Right. Like, well, and that's the only way she's getting out of it. To... Like, the only way that she can be above their judgment is because she can afford to be. Right. So, yeah. But Otherwise, it makes me wonder who's going to do her, her laundry now. I know. Because I don't, you know, historically, laundries are not equitable institutions what about like there's chinese a, laundries was, have yeah. these immig- immigrants working for slave la- slave wages working 16 mm. hour days because white people knew they could pay them less right. than the franny really needs to do a walkthrough before she hires the she next should start the equitable laundry, laundry union or something oh, totally. like you could yeah. see that <laughs> and have dot and other women like doing the awesome mending yeah. Like they would specialize in mending. And, and they get free self-defense classes. Ooh, yeah. Like after work. Ooh, yes. yes. All and right. like how to get blood stains off of a velvet dress. <laughs> <laughs> and how to mend a ripped stocking after a mm, tango session. <laughs> yes, tango session. Um, okay, side note. They pronounce Magdalene differently on this show. Did they? Yeah, Maudlin. I can't can't do it. I had to back it up a few times to make sure that they were saying what I thought they were saying. So it's it's Magdalene, but they're saying like maudlin or something. Like maudlin is in cheese ball? Like Like maudlin is maudlin Maudlin is when like something's like tragic in an over the top cheese ball way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how it sounds. Well, I'm sure there's some regional. Yeah just the accent yeah it's like wait what what are you saying um so the boat the ship where they film the uh the the scenes is called the poly Woodside, mm. and it is part of the national trust they basically have filmed it like every national trust location yeah which you should because they're all beautiful hello yeah yeah um but it's docked right down uh in melbourne it's like a big tourist yeah, kind of like the Star of India in San Diego yeah, or whatever. Yeah, or those yeah. Cuddy Sark or, you know, any yeah, yeah. of the, the, the tourist ones. But, um, USS Constitution. Or, but it yeah. made, it 
circled the globe 17 times. Holy cow. Right? Because it was um, carrying coal and wheat between England and South America. And Holy circumnavigated cow. It's like the, the Queen Mary times. in Long Beach, which is... Oh, yeah, Have you been right. there? No, but I want to go now that I've seen your pictures you and can, your Yeah, drawings. you can fit one and a half Titanics inside the Queen Mary. What? Yeah. And it, it was like the fastest ocean liner ever. Its wow. record has never been broken. And like... It was requisitioned as a warship in World War II, and they called it the Grey Ghost because they mm. they painted it gray so it would not be seen by enemy ships, and they blacked out all the window or grayed out all the windows as well. And it was so fast that they never saw it coming. That's it's, crazy. Yeah, they called it the Grey Ghost, and it was um, to keep it away from the German U-boats. They they plotted a random zigzag course every single time they crossed the Atlantic. Oh, wow. Like they'd change course every 90 minutes or something. Oh my goodness. And so the U-boats could never get a lock on them. Huh. Yeah. That is fascinating. Totally amazing. Um, we didn't talk about the man who always does the right thing, the noble thing. I don't know. I feel like for this one, yeah, she says that to Jack, the man who always does the right thing, the noble thing. But I feel like that whole thing pales because this whole episode has been about men not doing the right thing and the noble thing and it and it wasn't enough to save those girls hmm. like those girls aren't leaving that convent that convent is still going to go on it's still going to operate those girls are still going to be working in that laundry she nobody brought them down nobody even questioned that really. right but he did disobey direct orders he did to help the ones he knew about he did so he is a noble man in that respect but those girl, the girls that are still in that laundry need more than a noble man. True. Yeah. Well, know. they need a noble man to uh, speak to the right people, I guess. Well, and I guess in that sense, Aunt P had more clout than Jack did. Mm-hmm. Because Aunt That's P true. is actually providing a living now for this, now that this girl has given birth to her baby, she now has a place at Aunt P's. And I assume she'll raise her kid there. Right. Um, And she'd helped the gratitude girls before, too. She had taken in mm -hmm. a few of them, although did not treat them all that well, apparently. Hopefully she will do better. I feel like she will. I feel like we have. Yeah. yeah, She's turned a corner. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that Dot rescues Hugh on the ship. Oh, I forgot about that. whacking that that guy with the thermos that she brought. It took me a couple viewings to realize the thing that she's hitting him with is the thermos of tea that she brought to help out when she's like, what can I do to help? Franny's like, thermos of tea would be lovely. And and then she uses it like a weapon. (laughs) That's so good. That is so good. I think I have an idea for a toast. Um, The ones that that my heart really goes out to in all of this are these girls. So I would like to toast to all the friendless girls past, present, and future. You're not totally friendless because you have a friend in us. Hmm. A friend in we. (laughs) Cheers to that. Cheers. I just just want some passion fruit flummery. That's all I want. (laughs)